Oh, I forgot to ask. Did anybody did anybody end up writing you a synopsis of the the plot of Attack of the Clones? No, they did not. They no. absolutely did. I I had multiple people tell me that they were similarly amazed by Sifo-Dyas, not understanding what that relationship <laughs> is. And I did research. You know what it is? What? It was a typo in the script, and Lucas liked it enough to keep it in. It was what, supposed to be Sidious. Sifo- it was supposed to be Sidious. What? All right, guys. So I figured as we wrap up our prequel romp here, I thought that I'd play a little bit of game. I don't know if you guys have actually looked on Rotten Tomatoes recently for these movie scores. No. So no. we're going to play a little bit game, a kind of a Price is Right thing. I'm going to ask you for what you think the Rotten Tomatoes uh, score is for the movies. We'll start all the way at the beginning. And uh, if you go over, you're out. If the closest under is the winner. All right. Can you okay. just before you do this? Can you just give me how Rotten, uh, Rotten Tomatoes does the scoring real quickly? Uh, sure. It's one. It's zero to one hundred. Okay. Percentage, uh, percentage. Percentage. Yeah. So the higher the percentage, the better the movie, or the better the more critics liked the movie. So let's start with A New Hope, nineteen seventy-seven. On a scale of zero to one hundred, where do you think Ooh. New Hope winds up? That's... Seventy-five. Yeah, I well, I was going to say it's really tough because you have to factor in with Rotten Tomatoes um, <clears throat> uh, um, critics since it came out. Yep. So I assume every time it's been re-released and someone's reviewed it, there's a, a rating that's gone there. So I'm, I would say... Uh, I'm going to say 80. Dave, would you, uh, so Clay wins. Dave said 75, I think. Yeah. It's at 94%. Wow. Which is pretty good, pretty good. So let's go to Empire Strikes Back, 1980. Uh, you want to go first? Or you go uh, first, Clay, since Dave uh, okay. went first the last um, time. Empire, at this point, I'm going to say 90, 96. Okay, Dave? Uh, I think you went too high. Price is right rules, 1%. Yeah, it's a 94 <laughs> as well. Ah, yeah. damn it. I yep, was going to yep. say that. that Dave gets one, so it's exactly the same. So, Return of the Jedi, 1983. 89. Mm, I'm going to go 70, uh, 78. 80. That was the, Clay was the closest to that one. So, good job, Clay. You're up two to one. All right, now let's get into the good stuff. Phantom Menace, 1999. <laughs> this is all building to a point. Okay. 65. Uh, Phantom Menace, I'm going to say 70. You're both over, but Dave is closer. It's at 56%, so no one gets the point there. I'm I'm surprised you both went that high. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I figure it was going to have the retro... Retro, retro appeal, but to be kids. fair, to be fair, it's never been re-released. So yeah, all didn't, the ratings didn't critics are... like it when it came out? <clears throat> I think so, but I think this should have been watered down a little more. I'm surprised it's at 56, percent which is the first rotten. The other two were certified fresh. Um, yeah, I think in our other podcast, you had the the best phrasing for it. You said everyone was hedging their bets. Yes, yeah, yeah probably yeah. just uh, waiting for it. So episode two, 2002. That so one, Phantom Menace was at 56%. What do you think Attack of the Clones was at? I'm, I'm going to say Attack of the Clones is like uh, 73. I was going to say 70. 65. You Ooh, both damn. overshooting it, but you're getting closer. All right, so now let's wrap this up with Revenge of the Sith. 
So the prequels were 56, 65, and what do you think Revenge of the Sith is? Uh, I guess I'll just double down on 70, 73. Uh, no, no, I take that back. 78. Nope, 73. Okay, 73. All right. Final answer. 74. Uh, Dave wins. 79. Ah, this this movie it. is at 79% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is the point of this exercise, basically. Which is shocking. I'm kind of shocked all the prequels are so highly... That they basically went up after yeah. Phantom Menace. It's shocking to me. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I, I, think, I mean, I think it makes sense to a point. Uh, I think, I think that, would, that would, they would drop off severely if they were reviewed now. But I think as we were talking about previously, uh, I think we said this on one of the other podcasts, is that uh, people talk about Revenge of the Sith as being by far the best of the three. But they said that the same thing about Clone Wars, where they said, and even Phantom Menace, they were like, well, it's better than Return of the Jedi. So I think it's whatever is the newest one ends up getting a high rating, and it has to be higher than the one that came before it. What do you guys think is the worst of the prequel movies? Two, by far. Um, I'd have to agree. This one's really bad, but I'd say two is the worst. I'd say the best of the prequels was uh, Phantom Menace. Yeah, I think yeah, I, I think I agree with all of that. I I'm think... trying to now. We're saying this not just not to be hip, right? Right. <laughs> well, I wanted to talk to you about that because the goal is always to be hip. Well, I mean, I'm I'm gonna hold up. I'm just uh, vaping for a second, but we're <laughs> going to. Uh, I wanted to just talk about. I get a lot of. There's a lot of comments on this on the YouTube videos. There are some people who really like the prequel movies. I have I know friends who yep. really enjoy the prequel movies. I'm mm-hmm. sort of amazed by this because. I think it ties into my whole thing of I think people sometimes have a, a hard time distinguishing between this is my favorite and this is good. And th- yeah. those are two very different things. Yeah. Um, I can I can see people saying I prefer watching the prequels. I, I don't think you can objectively say that these movies are good movies or that they're better than the original trilogy. No. I Well, I can tell you uh, from experience just today, because uh, when we actually sat down to when I. Dave and I sat down to watch Revenge of the Sith. It was at least a week ago at this point. So while I was working today, I just threw it on in the background for a refresher. And not paying attention to it really irons out a lot of shit. Because you, uh, and I don't mean that like in a positive way. It's just like you don't, you're not focusing on the stuff that doesn't make any fucking sense. Right. So it's, you just kind of, you know, every now and then you'll check in and it'll be like, oh, lightsaber fight. Oh, it's a guy with four arms. Oh, dragon for some reason. You know, it doesn't it right. doesn't stick with you as it, the way it does. You know, when, when we actually sat down and watched it, I think I think it took maybe a third longer to get through it because we kept pausing the movie to yell at each other <laughs> <laughs> about how dumb it was. I I can I mean I I agree with that. I I do want to say that this was the interestingly this was the first movie of the prequels. I'm watching them all on Blu-ray. This was the first one where there were legitimately scenes where it's like, wow, that that looks really nice. Um, I think right. that the the CG at that point had been advanced enough to, I won't say it's good because you can clearly tell that they're on sets. But what he what the CG did was it sort of caught up to a point where now it looks stylized, yeah, instead of just bad. So yeah. it looks very much like a video game. It reminds me of those point and click adventures early on where people would just have uh, like digitized characters moving on a picture background. Yes. The uh, Sega CD games? Yes, yeah, and Phantasmagoria on the PC and stuff like that. Like, yep. It looks very, very obvious that it's fake, but it's also stylized to a point where if you're like, I was going for that, I'd say, good job, you nailed it. Well, the thing that I noticed, 
as I was going back and looking at my notes, I, 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 I wrote a lot in giant letters about how much walking is in this movie. And, um, and also, every scene that has dialogue in it between two people, they're either walking down a corridor or they're walking in a circle. Yep. And it occurred to me, the reason that they're doing this is because the technology wasn't there to do, at least it doesn't seem like the technology was there, to do the kind of dynamic camera movements they can do now. So they have to shoot these two people on a green box, basically. Yeah. And they don't move the camera at all. So they have to, they're spouting off this ridiculous dialogue that takes, you know, a five-minute scene. And they can't just stand there, so they either have to walk down a corridor, or they have to walk and look at each other. And the worst of the, <laughs> yeah. the worst of offender of this is uh, um, the scene where uh, Palpatine tells Anakin basically that he's a Sith Lord. They're not even like at least in the other ones, they're kind of like in a big hallway. This one, it's like they stopped in the corridor between apartment buildings. Yes, yeah. And then they like circle each other for five minutes and talk <laughs> about the dark side. <laughs> There's a there's a, the the one scene that it's shocking that they don't is the scene where they're sitting watching the the play or whatever they're supposed to be watching, yeah. Um, yeah. which in my opinion is probably the best scene of the movie. But I think I think it's the best scene of all three movies. Yeah, yeah, probably. I I, I think that um, Revenge of the Sith is better than Attack of the Clones just because I think it's the closest that Lucas comes to almost nailing down what this is supposed to be about. He comes. He comes dangerously close to actually having a point, <laughs> essentially, as to for how... that one scene that you're talking about when they're watching the the opera with bubbles or whatever the hell was happening. Right. He, he's at least. He, at, this is the only movie where I feel he's at least manipulating Anakin in a way that kind of is going to make sense by the end of it. You know what I mean? He's never been so obviously transparent in what he's trying to do. Yeah. As he is in this one. <clears throat> well. I, Oh, Before ahead, we get into like the the uh, the content of the movie, because sure. I think we have a lot to say there. Just the look of the movie. I want to get subjective for a second. Um, I still don't like it. So it, it really became clear to me when they go on the Carillion Corvette Tantive Four, and it's a set. They rebuilt the set yeah. for the Carillion Corvette, and it looks like Star Wars. And the rest of it does not have a continuity with the original three movies in terms of its aesthetic. It just doesn't. Even right. though it tries, even though it tries to have something that looks like Stormtroopers or looks like Star Destroyers, it it doesn't feel, when you're looking at it, like a Star Wars movie until they get on the Carillion Corvette, which is, is that the only set in the movie? Uh, I believe... Um, I can't I think, think of anything else. I think that, yeah. Owen, Owen Lars's place seems to be a set, I think. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they were there for a minute. When they when they they actually go back to Tatooine at the very yeah. end, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, oh, that's right. I forgot the scene where he actually has dialogue is in the second one. I, they don't go into his house in the third one. Oh uh, right, but the, yeah, the it could have still been a set. Yeah, the big big. I mean, how hard is it to drop a half of a ball on on some sand? <laughs> <laughs> Not very hard at all, and uh, they they had the budget for it certainly. Yeah, so let's. I I, I guess I don't I don't disagree. Dave, like, I, I don't think that the aesthetic of this really blends well with the original series. I think that I think it's the best looking out of the prequels. And that mo- might be just a combination of the CG got better and he started to nail down how he actually wanted it to look like things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think it's it. So uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I just want to say there's a lot of scenes in this one where there's a lot of people moving. Like there's a lot of actual uh, actors on the sets moving and bustling city. Yeah, that's right. And it just it looks interesting. I don't even know if it's good. I'm just I was interested by watching it. So sorry. Go ahead, Clay. Um, I was going to say that. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Well, let's uh, see. what were we talking about? <laughs> uh, oh, the look, the look. Yeah, um, I was actually kind of impressed that uh, um, this is definitely like he definitely put some work into shooting this and lighting it, or at least the guy, the the uh, director of photography did, because this is objectively a darker movie than the other two. Yeah, there's a lot of heavy shadows. There's a lot in the interior stuff. There's lots of heavy shadows for in places that in the last two movies, there definitely would not have been. Like there's like you know I, I was saying about them walking in a circle and stuff. There are some scenes in this movie where they could have been doing that, where it's just two of them standing in like a dark room that's kind of lit really cool. Yeah. So there is there is some, you know there's there is some style here. It's just not. I mean. The the filmmaking is is fairly stylistic, but yeah, just the look of it is not. I don't find it very palatable. And and to speak with to speak to what Dave was saying, it is so jarring when you see the that set, and you know the whole. <laughs> it's kind of ironic to me that in a movie or in a series where he goes out of his way so much to tie things to the previous trilogy, the look of he doesn't even attempt to do it. It's just like, well, here's the new stuff, and then, oh, here's the old thing. Yeah. And there's really no attempt at all to blend the two together. Like, how many times does he try to rebuild the Emperor's throne room? Like, when you first find Palpatine in the chair after Grievous had kidnapped him, it's like a recreation of the Emperor's throne room, but just not right. It just doesn't feel like Star Wars. It feels like a Star Wars video game. And even the ships and stuff too. It's like, well, oh, that's kind of like an X-wing, but it's it's like an asterisk wing. Yep. <laughs> and those the are kind of the final ship that uh, Vader. It's like this that sort of proto of the little what are they Tie Fighters? Is that what those things are called? Yep. Yep. No, the, um, and uh, the the Imperial shuttle, the shuttle Tidarian. It's the yep. it's that thing without the top wing on. It's like got the top wing cut off. Like why? <laughs> Well, the, Just use uh, it. The, the winds the winds are much heavier in in the future, so they needed that extra fin to, for stabilizing. It's it's tough. I mean, because I so what do you guys think of the opening scene here? I think the opening scene is one of the most immersive battle scenes that the. That any of the movies ever did. If um, we're gonna start from the beginning, let's just say <laughs> by the time that you get to that opening space battle, yeah, you've already gone through the opening crawl. And the opening this crawl movie is, yeah. sucks from yeah. the opening crawl. Real bad. Like, we had joked, and, and I'm not. The joke became kind of serious for me that like this was the the draft script. I you can't convince me that that opening crawl went through more than one draft. Like it starts with war exclamation point. <laughs> And that same paragraph ends with evil is everywhere. Like, are you kidding me? You it didn't was, even try for to, this. To me, I was thinking watching that, whenever the war comes up, all I can do is go, yeah. what is, that's the first thing. War. The other thing that makes me think about is, it's, it reminds me, I'm, I'm playing through uh, Suikoden <laughs> right now, which is a Japanese RPG from like the 90s. It reminds me of a badly translated Japanese interpretation of what they're saying. Here, I'm going to read it. War, exclamation point. 
The Republic is crumbling under attacks by the ruthless Sith Lord, Count Dooku. There are heroes on both sides. Not true. Evil is everywhere. <laughs> Evil is everywhere, man. There are yeah, heroes on both bad. sides. What does that even mean? This is about good versus evil. There are not heroes on both sides. It's about sides. point of view, Wes. Did you not watch the movie? The oh, whole movie true. is about point of view. I, there I aren't sort of... heroes on either side, though, as the movie tells you. Like, Well, unless you're on the bad guy's side, and then you're a hero on that side. It's true. It's point of view, man. <sighs> I think I tweeted to Clay <sighs> about this. Let me know what you guys think. This This whole prequel feels to me... Like, Lucas was very invested in the elections of 2000-2004 and mm. felt totally betrayed that the person he voted for did not win the election. <laughs> <laughs> this one, this one, def- uh, Dave brought it up in the last one, I think, or maybe when we were watching it, I can't remember. Uh, this one feels the most informed by current events. Um, this, you know, whereas we were talking, I think we were talking about the last one being, uh, having parallels to uh, post-9-11 stuff, but then I think we... we- realized that this movie would have been the principal photography would have been done before 9-11 happened i think that was a side conversation i don't think we had that in the podcast it's interesting to like go over that that you know the whole plot of the movie is basically you could say it's the patriot act and what happened with the patriot act about seizing power from an from an executive and giving him all this power which as clay pointed out like he probably didn't do that on purpose because photography was probably done at that point yeah yeah but this one does feel informed by current events and what's going on. Yeah, that, that line... But not that in a smart way. Yeah. The, no, that it, line it feels that terrible. has, uh, where she says, this is, how, this is how democracy dies with thunderous applause or something like that. I feel like <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, a, that's as uh, uh, clearly political uh, uh, text uh, as opposed to subtext as you're going to get out of this movie. Is that a good line or a bad line? I, I, can't, I can't decide. Uh, it's terrible. In it this hurt movie, me on the inside, like my in, stomach turned a little. <laughs> in this movie, I have to say it's a pretty good line because the rest of the lines are pretty objectively terrible. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a line that you could say if you weren't literally watching what she's saying. Yes, you know, yeah. like if, if they had said that afterwards, I'd be like, you know, that's kind of deep, actually. But yeah. she says it literally as this. The Senate. We need to talk about the Senate. I don't understand the Senate and what their role is in this. I mean. I guess they you clap. could draw. They're here to they're here to cheer. That's all they do in all three movies. They just cheer. They clap, exactly. They That's clap the... like seals at the circus with just like wide swinging flapping arms coming together. It's just like oh my god, they applaud for everything. Yeah, thunderous applause. Uh, yeah, it, it feels to me very, very political, and <laughs> and sort of like freshman college level political. Like it's it's full of these big ideas that. I guess makes sense in the context of this is supposed to be about good versus evil, but he's making it way too specific to be about That's good versus evil. That's a great way to say it, especially because it doesn't even make sense. Like, the undertone of the movie, the good guys, which is the only real hero in the movie that stays good is Padme. That's not an idiot, because everyone else is an idiot, as we well, went in the second I, one. Well, I have a lot to say about Padme in this movie, but continue. Well, well, okay, in terms of fighting, I think she's supposed to be the good guy, in yes, terms of what yeah. she believes in. Yeah. And what she believes in, she mentions like three or four times, is democracy. This is coming from a queen who's <laughs> now a senator in a republic. Yeah. Like, George, <laughs> none of those are democracy. Do you even know that? <laughs> he like, know, like I said, once again, <laughs> he knows the words. Right. And he knows they vaguely go together. He knows that republic and senate and democracy are good, but empire is bad. And then uh, 
the movement from republic to empire equals going from good to bad. And that's the only understanding of the concepts that seem to be put down. Maybe that's, I don't, okay, I don't know. Is that intentional, do you think? Or does he just, is it just a failure to do any research on terms or understand the words that he's using? I think he, I think he's, I think what he's done is he's taken a story that's just an allegory about good versus evil. And yeah. he's, he's put too modern of a spin on it yeah. to, the, to the point where you're like, well, it seems like you don't understand the politics of it. And your mm-hmm. politics are interfering with the fact that Anakin is supposed to be just falling to this sort of dark force that will corrupt him. Yeah, I, I think I mentioned I think I talked about this a little bit in the last one uh, where, yeah, it, it's. It's it's a fairy tale type approach. This the Star Wars story is is more of a fairy tale than it is anything else, right? Yeah. And when you, when you're going through the original ones, the fairy tale uh, uh, structure and the fairy tale constructs hold up because you've got uh, uh, rebellion and an empire, and that's all you get. You don't get any. I mean, well, you got moths and shit, but you you, you don't have any need to dissect who is on what side of the political aisle or what the politics are or, you know, what the trade embargoes are about. But once you get into that stuff, the, the fairy tale constructs just don't hold up anymore. Right. Because you can't support fairy tale constructs with other fairy tale constructs. <laughs> you eventually start wading a little bit too deep. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's, I think he's just, he, he wants to write a movie that's not Star Wars and he's kind of being forced to make Star Wars, it seems to me. Um, or he's it's just the other way. He's he wants to make the Star Wars, but he's just not interested in that story anymore. Mm. And it just comes across as that's that's really interesting, actually, because uh, what would you say he is interested in? Because, I, you know, I hit now that you say that, I, I feel like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is that is that it? Because, I mean, looking back on this, the thing that I that feels the most uh, uh, overt to me is how rushed everything is like all of the interesting changes to characters seem to happen in between movies. That is exactly and, why I think I'm, I'm making a joke, but like, I really think that his intention here was to make money. Like everyone talks about him being a great storyteller and stuff, but I mean, because it felt so rushed, I mean, you're telling the story here that everyone wanted to know yeah. how Anakin Skywalker, who was this hero that was under the tutelage of Obi-Wan Kenobi became the greatest villain of all time. You've right. got that story in front of you. All you got to do is tell it. And you fuck it up because you rush through it. Like, Anakin's turn happens in two conversations. Yeah. I, I, well, I need, to, I need to talk about this. I think one of the biggest failings of this movie is I cannot pinpoint when Anakin turns. Like, I, th- I know there's the scene with Palpatine after the Windu fight where, like, it's clear that he's turned. Yeah. Tell me something. Like, okay, so... Anakin has this confrontation with Palpatine, where Palpatine reveals he's a Sith Lord. Anakin mm-hmm. goes and tells Windu about this. Is Anakin betraying the Jedi at that point, or is he actually telling them because he thinks they can do something about it? So th- this, we had this almost exact same conversation when we were watching it, I think. And the problem is that there's no hard line drawn um, on whether or not Anakin is being played. Right. So there's no there's no like tonal choice being made. He's kind of trying to do both things because you've got some sequences where he's completely on 
the emperor's side and and he's doing it for selfish reasons because of padme but then on the other hand you've got scenes where he's talking about the jedis having to stop the jedis for because they're trying to take over the republic and right. there's like there's no he has no idea like there's no there's i guess by he i mean lucas i guess i, I like there's there's no it's not concretely written for instance uh the scene where where uh um uh, where uh, the Emperor kills Mace Windu, right? Yep. Um, that scene only works the way it's written if Anakin doesn't see the Emperor lightning blast the fuck out of Mace Windu. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You know, like there's... Because up to that point, he's, you know, he, he's, he tells Windu that the Emperor is a Sith Lord and then Windu's like, all right, stay here. Don't come with me. You're too emotional, which is the smartest thing anyone has said in three movies. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He goes, you know, window goes off. Then Anakin decides he's got to go and he's got to follow him. But at up to that point, he hasn't made a decision about what he's going to do. Right. And Anakin comes in while they're fighting each other. He's blasting window with lightning. And uh, Windu is, uh, you know, you know, trying is th- saying he's going to kill him. And in this scene is actually written strangely too, because Windu is actually in the wrong here. Uh, uh, Anakin's point of view is correct, unless he's being insincere. Because what Windu's saying is, this guy, he's a Sith Lord. I have to kill him now. Yeah, we can't take any chances or something like that. I may be writing better dialogue than he actually says. I'm not sure. <laughs> and Anakin says, no, we can't. It's not the way we do things. We have to bring him in. And they go through that back and forth a little bit until Anakin gets to the end where he says, no, I need him, right? Yep. And th- him saying that, I don't know if that means that everything he said before that was insincere. You know what I mean? If yes. he's still yeah. acting, is he acting as a Jedi or is he acting as a selfish person? Right. I think you could I think you could do an argument either way about whether or not Anakin is betraying the Jedi or not. Like, I think it ties into that. What you were talking about ties into the scene before there's a scene where Obi-Wan and Anakin sort of say goodbye uh, before they're sort of uh, Anakin turns and they have their fight scene. Anakin seems legitimately to be thankful and gracious to Obi-Wan. Yeah, which makes right. no sense in the way that the story is telling us that he's supposed to be angry at Obi Wan because Obi Wan is interfering with everything. Yeah, and it's just every every single scene Anakin's in, he flip flops between. I think he should what he should be. I think what the story should be doing is that Anakin is setting up Windu to go in to get killed by Palpatine. Well, or I mean, I I mean personally, my preferred method that they go down is that the emperor is just way more puppet master like of Anakin because Anakin is already set up to, he's already not really into the Jedi thing. Well, because they're, you know, he got overlooked for promotion (laughs) and I, I feel like the emperor plays the Sith card too early. I feel like if you, um, instead of making, instead of it being a very, very overt choice to, kill Windu and then just all automatically be turned into a Sith Lord, which yep. I guess is that's all it takes. And it's, it's not a very complicated ceremony. Um, he, <laughs> well, he just, hates bureaucracy. We know yeah. that he just wants, he just wants it done. The emperor just pulls a word out of the air and puts it after Darth. And that's your name. It's like <laughs> yeah, a randomized Darth. generator. 
Vader. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds cool, right? That's how he says in the movie, Die, you shall be Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> he like looks he like looks around the room first to see if there's anything that's Kaiser out. Sosa. He's a vase. Vase <laughs> Vader. Vader. <laughs> Mace but, window. 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 Yeah. He'll fall at the window. There we go. But but like his I feel I feel like a more satisfying turn is if He's acting on what he believes is the right thing, where he thinks the Jedi are, are 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 trying to rebel, so he's sticking with the Emperor, but he keeps making these dark side esque decisions until the point where he's got nothing left, and then the, he's like broken emotionally and et cetera, et cetera, and then the Emperor scoops him up at the end, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. So, okay, if I could step back, the what War. I took from this is. <laughs> What I took from this, uh, in terms of his term turn, is that his entire turn is based on fear that Padme is going to die, and he yep. loves Padme, and he wants to stick with her. So it's almost like it was always built inside of him that he had these this insecurity that was eventually going to turn him into the dark side. Yep, which yep. really sucks. Totally legitimate cool storyline. Well, I, I mean, I think I, that that his at least that motivation makes sense to me. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, it makes sense, but like. All right, think of in Return of the Jedi. That's the only time that they really talk about the dark side in the original three, and they talk about it a lot. And it's really seductive, and it gets you even when you're trying to do good. Like Luke's whole struggle there is he's trying to do something good, but in his moment of anger in the middle of the battle, he could turn to the dark side because it's, it, it can get you that way. And they right. don't do that with Anakin. His problem was always built inside of himself. And it started going there in that whole opera scene that whole scene, the, when the Emperor's talking, it's like, it's this seductive thing, but they're not turning... I don't, I don't know exactly how to say this. They're not turning him in a way that's cool enough for me. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think what you're picking up on, to an extent, is that it's not earned at all. The, uh, I, yeah. I, I, would, I would buy the uh, fear of Padme dying thing if... I believed their relationship for a minute, right? <laughs> yeah. which I do not. And again, that's the kind of thing where it's like I feel like most of the character work happens between movies. So by the time you get to um, uh, Revenge of the Sith, they're married and she's pregnant. And, uh, oh, Dave has a, a really interesting theory about that uh, yeah. that he should talk about in a minute. Um, but it's like all of the all of the heavy lifting character wise is covered by the fact that they're married and she's pregnant. You know, yeah. it's all it's all uh, 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 surface level uh, placeholders for actual emotive storytelling. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, Padme, I think Padme is the most relegated she's ever been in this movie. That's what I wanted to talk about, because I, I forgot to bring up last time how. Padme in uh, clone, Attack of the Clones, Padme and even uh, uh, Phantom Menace, Padme is a pretty good character, all said and done. She's, she's a strong, you know, she's strong, she's active, she's involved in the plot, she's involved in the action, she's, she, she gets in there, she doesn't sit back. And then in this movie, they take her for a fucking ride. They yep. really do. Because she turns into literally pregnant brushing her hair, crying over her boyfriend or her husband. And that's all she does in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. The, the it, brushing of hair scene is, is truly horrific. Um, even, even the costumes for her, I feel like 
Natalie Portman phoned in the performance, the writing got phoned in, and the costume designer was just like, well, nobody else is trying, so fuck it. <laughs> Put her in this slip nighty and puff her hair out, get that yeah. humidity going. I can't, I can't just, I mean, she's, she had, her, her function here is pretty much, the movie seems to think that her function is over, even though she is supposed to be the driving thing for Anakin. Right. Um, I mean. Her function should never be more important in this movie. Right. Exactly. Right? She, exactly. Should not, she should not only be carrying his child. She should be at the forefront of trying to stop the fucking emperor from taking over the democracy that she seems to love so much. Right. No, right? she just sits back and was like, well, that's how it ends with yeah. thunderous applause <laughs> and no arguments from anyone like me. Suppose I could have voted against that, but, uh, you know, it's time to go home to Naboo. Yeah, like. Like, God forbid there be a character conflict here where uh, Padme, who is uh, strong-willed and wants to be active to get shit done, tries to actually do that. And Anakin's like, no, don't do that because I'm having these dreams about you fucking dying. Yep. You know, it doesn't he doesn't know that she's how she dies in childbirth. She could be shot in the face and die during childbirth. Yeah. His you know? his, his um, premonitions are are very hazy around the am face. I, like am I too re- loud? I feel like I'm yelling. <laughs> no. <laughs> War, it's uh, it's it's gotten into all of us. No, I don't think so. I think we have fiery opinions fettering for the uh, the climax of this movie. It's just, I think, I think we can all agree that it's this was such a layup, and they, <laughs> it was such an easy shot, and he just bricks it. I I think that what's what's funny is that this is clearly the movie. Like virtually everything we need to know to lead into the original trilogy happens in this movie. Uh, like you could easily ex- to to a degree that should not be explained yes you you could easily get away with the first two movies and if you brought us in at this point you'd be like oh okay i, I guess that kind of makes sense it's just that anakin's anakin's central conflict is so just broken throughout the thing where he where he gets into that fight with padme about like well the emperor is doing this a good way and people are people are bad he yep. he, he seems like a complete idiot she seems to be sticking with him for no good reason Obi-Wan seems to actively dislike him, but other scenes he's very, very happy with him. I don't know. I think it's a mess. And just the, why does, why does Palpatine have any influence over the Jedi Council whatsoever? I have no idea. Yeah, it doesn't really get into like what the, I guess, division of power is between the Republic and the Jedi. But apparently he does like he can, he appoints Anakin as his like liaison. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they they just don't give him the rank of master, which <laughs> upsets him to <laughs> to great uh, to great, which turns which him is, into Darth Vader. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I think is a huge problem. Have has there been was there a scene where Anakin truly excelled at something? No, I've been saying this since the first movie. <laughs> like he's he's wildly incompetent for someone who's supposed to be. So great, although they have that throwaway line of like, well, maybe we fucked up on the premonition. Who knows? But anyway, let's take off. Oh, you I guess in, get out in here. The, the first scene in the movie when he's piloting, Obi-Wan is saying really stupid lines to let everybody know that he doesn't like flying. And Anakin <laughs> is like piloting perfectly and telling Obi-Wan what to do. So, you know, I guess that holds true that like he was a great pilot. He was a great pilot. They did. They right. did nail that uh, carry through through everything. Um, does he do anything in any of in? In all three of these movies, does he do one thing that supports the claim of, oh, he's the chosen one? Does he do one thing, aside from not die after he falls, like, 
20,000 feet in the air. <laughs> right. One Jedi type <laughs> ability. Like there's no he cut that he cut that pair like a fucking chosen one. I'll tell you Guys, that. Guys, it's not about merit, it's about your midichlorian count. <laughs> I would I mean I mean the scene that needs to be that way, right, is the Dooku scene opening this one. Right? Anakin, yeah. Anakin, Obi-Wan needs to be overpowered, and which he kind of is, and Dooku knocks the thing on him so he can't get up or whatever. That That is the most awkward animation I've ever seen. Because <laughs> yeah. not, only, not only is the animation just awkward, Obi-Wan Kenobi's pelvis should be powder. <laughs> yeah, no, his, all of his guts should shoot out of his mouth after that thing falls on him. <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't get that. We, we don't... I suppose I mean Anakin wins that fight. Anakin needed to handily handle his business there. You know what I mean? It, he yeah. doesn't really do it. He does it like he's done it in every other fight scene. It's just you you hold your own and eventually you beat Dooku. And yeah, I f- oh sorry. Go no, ahead. no, I'm done. Well, I was just going to say I feel like he should win that fight the way that the emperor tells Luke to win the fight. It should be like Anakin just loses it. Right. He just fucks him up. And then, like, afterwards, he's like, oh, my God, what did I just do? You know, like, he, he's, he makes a choice to kill Dooku. It's not like, it's not like he gives in to his anger. It's just yeah. he just very casually cuts his head off. Another, another smashing of terrible where he's clearly angry and he just murders Dooku. And then he goes, I should not have done that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I did, like, I did like in that scene, though, uh, they did uh, the thing you were talking about in the last one, I think, where uh, he has both lightsabers, the red and the blue. Yep. Yeah, that was a nice touch. How, okay, so here's a question. Uh, this movie and the last one uh, bring in peripheral villains for absolutely zero purpose. Specifically in this movie, General Grievous, and in the last movie, Count Dooku. Count Dooku only is in this movie to get his head cut off, right? Yep. What if you took Count Dooku and replaced him with Darth Maul? So Darth Maul actually has an arc over the three movies. Right. Yep. That way, and especially because Darth Maul is a fucking badass in that first movie. And to have him kill Qui-Gon and then, you know, fuck up Obi-Wan and cut off Anakin's arm. That's like that's some that's some badass shit. Like you can't you can't argue with the fact that, oh, he's he's tough. He's he's, right. You know, and like we were saying, apparently it doesn't matter because Sith Lords just randomly choose their apprentices with no real whatever. I don't know if there's a waiting list or whatever. But he Im- just right place, right time, basically, is what it seems yeah, to be. Dooku immediately falls falls into that vacuum that Darth Maul uh uh, uh in the Darth Maul p- position. But like if you get to the third movie and Darth Maul is the the muscle in the first one and then he's the one who's uh, doing all the dirty work for Palpatine in the second one. And then in the third one, his death is what sets Anakin down the Darth dark side path to uh, ultimately replacing him. That yeah. would be way better. Yes. I think I totally agree with that. It's, it's, it was a lost opportunity. I mean, because Dooku, Dooku, it seems to me that Dooku is supposed to be pressed as being superior to the Jedi. Like, the dark side is more powerful. He, he sort of handily at least with the lightsaber and the force, he's able to sort of take them on two on one. Yeah. It's just, you don't get enough of that to really establish the fact that there's a reason the Jedi have to send two people after them, basically at the bare minimum. Oh yeah. Also that, that line, uh, um, when they, when they release Palpatine and he's like, watch out, he's a Sith Lord. And Obi-Wan very like Indiana Jones style is like, uh, Sith Lords are a specialty. It's like, yeah, 
the last one of them killed your fucking master, <laughs> and then the last one cut your fucking arm off and beat two of you at the same time. He should have just done the eight pieces of shit like him for breakfast <laughs> line and would have put him <laughs> more sense. I, I that brings us into what I think is the worst. Uh, part of this, the scene where Palpatine is running around with Obi-Wan and Anakin, oh, not God. saying anything, he's just in the background, is the worst. It's the worst. It's, I think it's just garbage. It's terrible. There's... It's really bad. I don't think it beats uh, the, the actual, the buzz droids, the things that pop on your ship and then try to slowly tear the ship apart, are really, really bad. Like the, That's just the dumbest weapon in the world. But the the worst part of the movie that takes the cake is... When the two Jedi are running through and they're like, turn on the ray shields, and all of a sudden they just get stuck in these yep. ray shields. That... <laughs> and one of them says to the other one, Obi-Wan turned and he goes, wait a minute, how did this happen? We're smarter than this. <laughs> <laughs> Which, Which sums up the entire movie. Like, why are does. we even doing this? This movie is, um, you know, people say all the time, oh, that was a dumb movie. This movie is dumb. And I mean that like it's written yeah from a very everybody in this movie is a fucking idiot yeah and the writing is dumb the things that happen are dumb and i don't I, like i i'm trying to use i don't mean that in like the throwaway casual way you say oh that was dumb it's just it's i don't know what other word to use it's dumb it's very dumbly written yeah it, it's 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 written without a sort of overall goal like the, the people just need to get to these points and they basically are forced through it i do want to talk about grievous though yeah. Because to me, the link of Grievous is that Grievous is supposed to be proto-Vader, right? Like sort of a like a, a yes. pseudo-cyborg type thing. Sure. I, I the, the movie does nothing to push that forward. If, if, if the, that's the case, why doesn't Anakin fight him? Right. That makes like thematic sense if that happens. Yes. That that's. <laughs> I mean, I, I think Grievous is a totally useless character to have in this. You, we're not ever introduced. They don't mention him previous to this movie, do they? No. 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 So he's. He comes in, he, my favorite, I, I, I seem to view this a little bit funnier, I don't know. I, I, the, my favorite line is when he's like, Count Dooku has trained me in your Jedi arts, and all he does is hold the lightsaber and his robot wrists spin around, yep. so they become like <laughs> helicopter rotors, and it's yep. like, really, that's what he trained you to do? He trained you to spin <laughs> around like that? that that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's really stupid. <laughs> 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 I know you think, <laughs> you know, to give a flavor think... for this movie, Wes should just talk and then I'll cough in the background and Clay will throughout the entire past podcast go ooh, 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 and make that <laughs> dragon noise throughout the whole thing. Then then we'll feel like we're watching it. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But as, as far as as far as uh, uh, competently designed or uh, robots go or cyborgs go, why would you? It's like. It's like it's like taking a person who has a congenital heart failure, replacing everything but his heart, and then being like, "You're good to go." Like, mm -hmm. what? Why, why didn't they just instead of replacing his whole body, just replace? I mean, maybe I'm, I, I, I don't know how the technology works. Maybe that's the best they could do. I don't know. People there still... must have been lungs somewhere too. I mean, he's coughing. We know he's got lungs. They, yeah, they can't uh, they can't cure lack of a will to live, so I doubt they can cure uh, the heartburn of this idiot from whatever he's doing. So, I mean, I guess this movie firmly establishes that what we were confused about before, that the Separatists are being played by Palpatine, right? Yes. That that at least is is firmly finalized, that this is what the plan is all along. I don't know... Where are they getting their weapons from? 
Yeah. They spent the, the end of the last movie is the Jedi's and the Republic blowing the fuck out of their entire weapons cache. Where are they getting their weapons from? I, is 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 that is the volcano planet where they build them or something? I think so. I hope that's yeah? certainly where yeah, they have sure. their their evil henchmen meetings in that room and yeah, I mean, <laughs> at least we lock up that aspect of it. Like that like okay, so the Palpatine arc is he needed these separatists because he needs a reason to raise an army. And therefore, once he gets his army, he's going to take over the universe with it. All fine with that. Fine and dandy. The the turn of Anakin here. So I, we'll, we'll get to this major point. The turning of Anakin into the sort of final scenes that these guys have. We've we talked before about. I guess we should just start with the Windu thing. The what are your what do you how would you sum up the Windu versus Palpatine fight in, uh, in some words? Okay, I've been waiting to talk about this for f- six movies. Um, the in in a in a series of three movies where uh, the object has been to make as many callbacks and as many and tie up as many loose ends and answer as many questions as as George as you Lucas never asked. Yeah, as George Lucas thinks we want the answers to, but no one has ever asked and no one has ever even implied they want answers to. The absolute worst thing in all three of these movies, the worst thing is Palpatine's face being turned wrinkled (laughs) by lightning. scarred and deformed. Yeah, by lightning backsplash. (laughs) <laughs> that's the dumbest thing he does in any of these movies it's dumber uh, than Jar Jar it's dumber than anything because it is completely inconsequential to the plot yeah. in any way shape or form that does not need to be there other than to be like oh well the Emperor's face is wrinkled but this actor's face isn't wrinkled we should probably explain why the Emperor's face is wrinkled as, nah. as if, like, 30 years' time or whatever it is, yeah. you can't just explain that. So what's amazing to me, the actual fight itself, I don't really have anything interesting to say because it's a lightsaber fight that happens exactly like every other lightsaber fight happens yep. in these two movies, the last two movies, which is just two guys flipping around really fast in CG. Um, but what's incredible is after that fight, so I don't know if we said, I think we said this in the last podcast, like, would episode two have been more interesting if the central character in the prequels, was the Emperor. Mm-hmm. And we had said, like, yeah, definitely, that would that would be cool if it just followed Palpatine's plot. Palpatine, and that's because they, they did Palpatine all right in the second one and for the first half of the third one, where he's this subtle, manipulative character and he's got, like, a cool mystery to him. We all know who he is, but it's still, like, fun to watch. And then after this fight, he just becomes straight up the Emperor yeah. in a caricature for, form. They, they do the face so that he looks exactly like the Emperor, and then his voice changes, he loses all subtlety, and it's like, oh, he's just, he's the Emperor now, he's, he's the evil guy. Like, we would have gotten, I would have assumed that that progression happens over the next 20 to 30 years. He didn't have to just make him the Emperor, we all got it. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much everyone who I've ever talked about that, his face changing thing, uh, has been like, yeah, I always assumed that it was the passage of time... And, you know, I don't know, the, the crippling effects of the dark side of the force. Yeah. I completely buy that. Completely buy that. But, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It's like as soon as I think I feel like that Windu fight is the real turning point in the movie where things really go off the rails. Yeah. It's like he, it felt like after that scene, 
he's trying to tie everything up as fast as he possibly can. Yeah. Well, because he's got he's got forty minutes of lightsabering ahead of us on the volcano planet. So. <laughs> oh God. Hey, I don't even understand the. We're, we can we're going to talk about this more. I don't understand the the Jedi sending in a strike force feels <laughs> odd to me. Like that doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. The fact that they the Palpatine fight scenes I think are the worst lightsaber fights because oh they're terrible. I don't know what the act the actor is doing this one jab move like a double handed jab stab type move and it looks yeah. awful and he's got this horrible look on his face while he's doing it. And he's really like you were saying, Dave. He the actor really starts to ham it up as Palpatine. Yeah at that point and i just think it's so terrible i don't like the fact that windu actually beats him yeah no that's uh, see again unless he's doing it specifically to to trick trick anakin i don't get that feeling from what the scene watching the scene though no i don't think so either uh it's just like yeah the way (laughs) clearly uh ian mcdermott is that his name i think that's his name yeah Yeah. uh uh, did not show up for lightsaber practice because he's got (laughs) Like the only time he's ever holding that thing is in close up, and yeah, he does that same weird, like like a jab jab move, yeah, real weird. And again, (laughs) talking about like I've talked about this in the past ones too. It's just the fighting is all everything about this stuff is so homogenized now. Like in in Return of the Jedi, the Emperor fights you with lightning, where he doesn't need a goddamn lightsaber; he just blasts (laughs) your ass off away from him. Mm-hmm. But like, as soon as they fold that into like, well, Jedi, I mean, Sith just have that power. It just it it irons everything out and makes it not as cool anymore. Yeah. Like, wh- yeah. why does he need a? If he's got fucking lightning, why does he need a lightsaber? Why even choose to like with the Yoda thing? Why even choose to have the Emperor have a lightsaber duel in the first place? Right. Like it doesn't fit two his character. Them. He has two lightsabers. Two of them. Yeah. yeah. And the window yeah. one is bad. <laughs> the Yoda one is significantly worse. Oh, yes, oh. yeah. I, th- <laughs> I was laughing. Um, you know, which one? Sorry, which one is the one? Is is this is the window one where he goes, no, 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 no. <laughs> yes, when he before he yeah. shoots him with the lightning. Yeah, oh, yeah. God. <laughs> the I was thinking that you know the difference between what I think what the the post what the the Force Awakens the new ones do at least is. The new movies understand the sort of philosoph- we've talked about this the philosophical difference between the light side and the dark side, and we're going to talk about this. But in the Force Awakens, the climactic lightsaber fight, the the good light side force user basically meditates in the middle of the fight. Yeah. This one in the Windu fight, there's like a three like a seven second close up on Windu as he's like grimacing and like pressing against Sidious's lightsaber, and it's like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, this is not what the Jedi are supposed to do. And it climaxes. They draw their lightsabers first against Palpatine. Yep. Doesn't make sense. The final fight scene, Obi-Wan draws his lightsaber against Anakin first. Doesn't make any sense. Also, also, like, why is when Anakin says, hey, I think this I think Palpatine is the Sith Lord guy. (laughs) Like everything. It's so fucking dumb. I'm sorry. I just it's so poorly written and poorly plotted. Like, why? (laughs) These characters are so goddamn stupid. But that's why does he he's when he says, "Oh, he's that Sith Lord that they all completely conveniently forgot about." Yeah. And he's like, "Oh yeah, that guy, the one we've been looking for." And they don't like they just immediately act on it. Yes. I don't know. It's just it, the whole setup is just so contrived and so 
rushed. We asked him, "How does he? How do you know?" And he says, "He told me about the force." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. uh, he that's told good. me he was. That's good enough for me. I will, he went to, uh, He said okay. he went to Force College for a semester, <laughs> so he must be a communist. So let's talk about the the final, the scene, the the the, the final lightsaber fight here. Anakin is off killing the separatist leaders. Makes sense. I can understand yeah. that. That's a thing. Mm-hmm. He kills the younglings. Terrible choice. That was uh, ridiculous. We don't. I don't think we need to talk. Does anyone have anything to say about the oh. younglings dying? We Dave and I were talking about uh, Order sixty six and how stupid it is. Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about Order sixty six before we get into the final battle. All yeah. Right, let it, me just say it. Cinematically, it was cool, especially yep. the the uh, the the conehead one. Yeah. Yeah, Belzar from Conan's. He's when he runs out front and he turns and he just looks like confused and sad. Like that was that was really cool. Uh, and they 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 blast the the female one like viciously. They blow yeah. one up in space. Like for all of the violence they don't show earlier, they just show you show them shooting her in the face repeatedly. Yeah, yeah, it's it's brutal and it looks cool, but it's not cool because it's. It, I mean, it's just it's the pinnacle of like. Lucas again, just not caring. Like he'd he'd rather have that scene so he can show all the Jedi dying within a minute because he's got to wrap this movie up. So he so he creates this thing, Order sixty six, which like, I mean, they're just broadcasting a, a name and a number all around the galaxy, and all of the 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 clone troopers know what to do with it, which means that they know that there was an order to just kill all the Jedi, and for the Jedi not to have any idea that that was coming, like. Yeah. Come on, that, how, how, Yoda, Yoda, you fucked up, dude. Especially oh. we've seen the, the, you know, the original series has shown that the stormtroopers are like the easiest to force manipulate. Mm-hmm. You know, like they always, <laughs> they can just pass by them. And, like you just hand wave and you say, I, I need to go this way. And they say, you right this way, right, right through. It makes zero sense why Order 66 is like an established thing that they know about. Um, and just the stormtroopers are goddamn heartless. Like yeah. he gives Obi Wan the lightsaber. He's like, "I love you, Obi Wan." He rides off and he gets the order. He's like, "Oh, now I have to kill Obi Wan." <laughs> uh, so that's too bad. Yeah, it's um, again, it's 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 a fault in in earning that payoff. Let me, let, sorry, doing order. Let me ask you one thing: Are there too many Jedi? Yes, that's the problem. Well, right? okay. Well, I the problem isn't that there's too many. Is the problem is that we don't know how many there are. Right. Sure. Okay. Because if there was a better understanding of how many there were, the effectiveness of Order sixty six would not be in question. Like, because right. as far as we know, based on what we've seen, all existing Jedi are the younglings, the ones on the council, and then that one like tweener kid who <laughs> saves Jimmy Smith and gets shot in the chest. <laughs> so yeah. Clay and I had uh, had we were discussing when we watched it like. Just rewriting it in a better way than Lucas did in like five minutes, which is not very difficult to do. You can try it out yourself. But um, <laughs> we were saying like what they what they maybe should have done is had all the Jedi locked in their temple because the Senate was investigating them for corruption or whatever, and then did an order and killed them all inside the temple, which would have been I believable think... and it would have been cool. But like instead, they they wanted that. I think it's inexcusable that Anakin is not the one picking them off one by one. Yeah, yeah. Like, I the fact that he only kills the kids... Sorry, there's fire engine in the back. The fact that he only kills the kids is such a huge letdown from... You show his ascendancy to power by him basically slaughtering the rest of the Jedi. 
right? Yeah. And Obi-Wan gets away and Yoda gets away and they're the only two that get away from it. I just, I think it's a huge narrative mistake. Just, he has no interaction with the Jedi again, outside of Obi-Wan. Again, he shows in, in everything that he does in this, in this movie and the three movies and even in the final fight scene, he shows no inkling that he is more powerful than anybody else. Right, right. Now, if, you know, and whereas the Jedi have shown that they're tough to fight, generally, I guess, um, if he had been, yeah, if he had been going through and just icing people himself with his massive fucking dark side power that he just ex- uh, learned about, yep. that would be, yeah, that would be, that would be great. <laughs> instead of just be, instead of apparently turning to the dark side me- makes you more mopey and it turns your eyes red. Yeah. If that's yeah. the case, if that's the case, I turn to the dark side every time there's pollen in the air. <laughs> <laughs> I would have had, I would have fixed the Jedi by the council are the only Jedi. That's the way I would have done it. You, there's a very, very small number of Force users who are skilled enough to become Jedi, and yeah. we know all of them through the prequels by name. Yeah, I mean, like like we we talked about before, it's like they turn the Jedi are go from in, in the original movies they're talked about as though they're a myth. Right. Right. You know, they clearly there was enough of them. It's like saying, "Oh yeah, have you heard about the fire department?" Oh no, those guys are a myth. Right. <laughs> the, yeah, the UN. They're basically the UN in these. They go in as like peacekeepers and they're sort right, of yeah. police uh, sort of like peacekeeping forces, but yeah, I just that that turn is bad. I feel bad for the kid. Like I do, the kid delivers that line of like Master Skywalker, whatever he says. He says like Master Skywalker, what should we do? It is. It's a little. It does tug at your heartstrings. Like I think it's a terrible use of the Anakin character, but it does. You do feel bad for those kids. It's a what effective scene that I felt anyway. I hope that wasn't Liam because Liam was an expert <laughs> at shutting the shades. What's um, actually what actually got me when I was watching it is uh, the kid's delivery, and then when Anakin fires up his lightsaber, the kid like like yeah, flinches. Yeah, flinches. And bad. that one, that one is like, oh, jeez. It's so let's order 66 kicks off. The Jedi are in ruins. Obi-Wan and Yoda are the only two left. Obi-Wan decides to hitch a ride with Padme. He tricks Padme into uh, showing him where Anakin has gone. Mm-hmm. Yoda goes to fight Palpatine. Let's talk about Yoda Palpatine very briefly. I don't think it's that interesting. Um, but- it's terrible. When he flips over the chair, it's probably the worst thing I've ever seen on cinema. It's probably the worst, most expensive shots I've ever seen on cinema. Yeah. I, that when he's I, spinning the chair, like that part, that was just butt. <laughs> just total butt. When he, start, when he starts throwing the Senate at him. Yeah. Why God. does Yoda spin the thing before throwing it back? I, I have to, to give it. I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> right. That's again. Again, I don't. I don't understand. I don't know who is more powerful in that fight. Why? I mean, even if they're equals, then it's there's no delineation of fight style or power. It's just. It's just it's just a mess of stuff. And yeah. then, you know, just to ram us into the original series, Yoda decides he has to go into exile for seemingly no reason uh, because he failed. So, yeah, yeah. And he really did. Like when he said that, he's like, I have failed. Me and Clay were like, yeah, you did, Yoda. You fucked <laughs> yeah. up real bad. Uh, next to, next real to bad. Padme, next to Padme or even worse than Padme. They take Yoda for a fucking ride in this movie worse than they have in the other two. Yeah, they, they ruined ruin Palpatine, he's, too. But yeah, he's Yoda. so dumb. He's so dumb. And like in all of his <laughs> my favorite part about it though is seeing how the uh, um the verbal gymnastics that were required to write extensive dialogue in Yoda w- language. Yes. Yes. Cuz towards the end it's just like he's really really reaching where he's like no uh what does he say uh uh not if 
not, not if, if anything... anything have to say about it do i or something right. like that i'm like ooh, that was <laughs> yeah. that's you could have taken another pass at that one i, I think, think even i think even yoda fucked that one up he was like oh i didn't i didn't even mean to say that sorry that was that's terrible i do notice he started to there's because there's another one i think in the second one he says like take to the battlefront take me now or whatever he says yes. it sounds it yeah. sounds really stupid when he says it um and his i mean his whole thing is uh is just He's got dialogue and like that line, Dave, you were talking about where he, uh, he says, I must go into exile. That sounds like a bullet point from the outline. Yes. It's like right. at this point in the movie, Yoda goes into exile and, they, and then they just have I'm Yoda say that. I'm going to find that. a swamp. Yeah. <laughs> a swamp I shall seek. Yeah. Yeah. And talk- why does it have to be Chewbacca that sends him? Like, yeah. it couldn't just be any Wookiee. Yeah. It had to be Chewbacca that sends Yoda to fucking Dagobah. That was why- painful. So. Why are they on Keshek? Are they fighting separatists invading that planet? Is that what's going on? I yeah. Think. Yeah. Okay. Which is like, all right, you want to show Keshek and Wookiees? Great. I'd like to see what Keshek looks like in a movie. Awesome. But you don't have to put Chewbacca in there. And you, Chewbacca. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then he blasts off in his little spaceship. Oh, uh, God damn it. Let's the dumbest talk about... thing Yoda says in the entire movie is when... So let's remember from the first two movies that Yoda didn't want to train Anakin, even though he, he admitted that he was the chosen one. He's like, there's too much fear in this guy. He could go to the dark side. This is it's going to be dangerous to train him. Anakin comes to Yoda in the beginning of the movie, and he's like, oh, I'm really worried about all this stuff. Um, I, I have all this fear inside of me, and admits that to Yoda. And Yoda's like, well, just, you know, get everything <laughs> that you're afraid to lose, and you're all good. I drink a lot of chai tea uh, in the afternoon. I find that's really helpful for dealing with things like that. Yeah, god damn it. Just just get rid of it all. (laughs) (laughs) You're scared of losing it. Just lose it now. That's done. Easy. What's next, Anakin? I got some, uh, yeah, I got Uh, some real... Is that all you have? Because, I mean... (laughs) I got we, other kids I got to talk to. You paid for the full hour, so I don't I don't know if you want to play some Parcheesi or something, but uh, yeah, yeah, Yoda's therapy sessions. Let's wrap this up. We're going over now. Let's go to uh, the final battle. We need to talk about it. Um, yep. the scene the scene where they confront each other was. I, I spend the entire final scene saying he's fucking up everything. Everything is going wrong here. Their final dialogue with each other. Obi-Wan is a dick to him, which is kind of understandable, but also not the way the story was supposed to go. It, Obi-Wan gets off the plane and he's, or the, the spaceship, and he's just basically just giving him shit. Anakin takes it. Anakin fights back with a bunch of nonsense that doesn't make any sense, and then they fight each other with lightsabers um, after Obi-Wan dramatically takes off his robes. Yeah, again, this is a scene where Anakin's dialogue, he says... Uh, that the Jedi were going to take over the Republic. Well, is does he believe that? Like, yeah, why like, does he think Where that? does he stand? Yeah, right. Like, there's no point where you... I mean, even if... Okay, if they were trying to play it as as he's turning to the dark side, he's, like, wavering or something, they don't even do that. They just show him killing kids and close-ups of his red eyes. Yep. So you have no reason to believe that he's even remotely considering not being uh, on the dark side. Yeah. No, it's. I think it's just. Every I kind of like the fight scene. I like the choreography of the fight scene. I think it's fine. I think it ends real terrible. But I just that that pinnac- that introductory where they talk to each other before the fight. Oh, it's terrible. Is terrible, and it's do- I, all, all it would have taken was Anakin. The 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 argument that they have should have been Obi Wan trying to convince Anakin to come back, 
to to Anik to be Anakin and stop being Darth Vader, and for Darth Vader to say it's too late for me, which would have tied in to yeah. Return of the Jedi absolutely perfectly. Yep. That Luke yeah. could do it, what Anakin, what Obi Wan couldn't do, but they they fucked it up. Yeah. Yeah. Anakin, you're breaking my heart. <laughs> oh God. Let her go, Anakin. Let her go. <laughs> She she's uh she is not a great force choke actress either. She does not no. really sell that that force choke going down, which which apparently kills her. We're led to believe. I like yeah. Natalie Portman, so I, I I just in my heart of hearts want to believe that at that point she just didn't give a shit anymore. No, she gave up. She's and, totally and, gave and up. George sure didn't notice bad acting. <laughs> you know, God God bless uh, uh, Ewan McGregor because even at this point he's still like I I, th- I if I had to if I had to to take a swing at it. I feel like in the back of his head, he's like, you know what? This is the last one, and I get to have an awesome lightsaber fight at the end. So I'm just gonna, you know, hitch up my hitch up my boots, and I'm gonna go to work. And he, like he he actually he is the the only thing keeping most of these movies together. He's not fantastic, but he's he's actually doing stuff instead of just going through the motions. Yes, yeah, I I totally I, I agree with that. He's 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 giving the most effort. He's also trying the most to be older obi-wan like he's trying to do the Yale guinness thing a little bit yeah, like he's trying yeah. to talk like him um and it just all right so we, we have to talk about the the fine the ending yeah obi-wan yeah. gets the high ground oh, oh sorry can i can we can i talk about the actual fight real quick oh yeah yeah so as as i've said before lightsabers are basically the greatest movie invention ever they're like the greatest movie device ever created and the the biggest failing of these movies is by the time you get to the thing the the one thing everybody came to see the arguably the only reason that these movies were made is to see Anakin Skywalker fighting Obi-Wan Kenobi to the death that's the In only the reason anybody's here mm-hmm. by the time you get to that point lightsabers are so fucking boring yeah in this movie alone there are what just straight up lightsaber fights. There's one, two, three, four, at least four. Yep. Not counting the stuff that oh, five, if you count General Grievous. Six, if you count the first. There's like every other scene is a fucking the, lightsaber. The first fight. one comes in at twelve minutes. Yeah, Dooku. Yeah. Dooku is the uh, and then Grievous. And then after that, after that, someone's fighting with a lightsaber like every fifteen minutes. Yep. Yeah. Grievous, and, like, if, Grievous has them. Like Grievous. Yeah, Grievous, Grievous has fucking four of them. <laughs> so I don't know if that counts like four, four times as much. But it's like by the time you get to the end, if it was up to me, there would be no lightsabers in this movie till the last scene. Yeah. Or uh, arguably, I wouldn't have a lightsaber in any of these movies until if like if you're trying to build this up to the to the to the stature that it should be at, it shouldn't just be more of the same. You definitely shouldn't be intercutting it with another lightsaber fight. Right. Yes. That's that's a huge. Why it doesn't just focus on that and be the action sequence of. The, that year or that decade, yeah, moves, and like, and, and and again, it's a power thing too because Anakin is supposed to be—I've said this a million times—he's supposed to be the most powerful Jedi ever, and now that he's a dark side user, he's supposed to be even more powerful. But it's still—it's so bland. It's the same, you know, super fast lightsaber and choreography that they have to do it a on a volcano, <laughs> and b like on a volcano level of a video game where they're like jumping from 
you know, robot like, heads. Yeah, it's like two on kids, robot heads. Yeah, it's like two kids <laughs> lightsaber fighting in their living room, jumping from couch to couch because the floor is lava, which in principle is not the worst idea. And uh, you know, if you're if you're trying to make that analogy to to oh, it's you know, that's what kids would be doing. But the fact is, it's really stupid. They and have- I know, I know that the uh, I actually asked somebody about this. Um, the idea that Obi Wan and Anakin fight on a like molten lava planet has been around, I guess, since the novelization of Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah, I, I knew that. I knew that they fought in a volcano uh, when I was a kid growing up, and then yeah. I never knew where it came from. I asked Clay; Clay did the research. So, well, I asked. I asked someone else who did the research, but. <laughs> But yeah, so I mean that I I was never sure. I thought that maybe that was an expanded universe thing that he just kind of you know lifted. But I guess that's always been in there since as far back as uh, I think. The, I think the person I asked also said they were. It was originally in one of the trilo- the first trilogy scripts, but it got cut out. Sure. So that that idea has been there, and it's and, a pretty fucking cool idea. And what's amazing to me is the the excerpt that you had sent me about that it explained where it came from and then it, it specifically said in there that lucas insisted that they their final fight or i guess second to final fight happens in a volcano but he wouldn't let anyone touch it he wanted to keep that open basically because he wanted to do it himself and then the end product is they're jumping on robot heads and high ground darth vader loses because obi-wan has the high ground <laughs> which is they've he he hasn't referenced this is not a callback right is there a high ground no. no, how well, did that I'm... line make it through the script? And then in editing at the end, how did it get through? How did they not just go like, yeah, that that Obi Wan line? Let's just cut it out, have him jump right in. Like, why is that still in there? It doesn't make any sense. That's the kind of thing they do that shit all the time in other movies. But like like Wes mentioned, they set it up beforehand. It's always like uh, it's um, shit. I used to have a name for it. Uh, oh, it's like the it's the super punch. Or the, the 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 special move. Anytime you have a movie where early on in the movie you're introduced to one character's special move, that's going to come back at the end. Yep. So you know, like uh, um, the the best way they do it. I don't know if you guys saw Creed, but they do it very subtly in the movie Creed, and it's the best best one I've ever seen. But anyway, yeah. usually what happens is it's like a friendly battle. So like it would be Obi Wan and Anakin sparring each other or something. Yeah, and then you know. Obi-Wan would jump onto a box. Sure. Let's say he jumps onto a box. <laughs> and he says, "Up, oh, Anakin, I've got the high ground. And then, then it comes back at the end. One of those kind of things. But this one, it's just, no, it's just completely inexplicable. <laughs> Anakin, it's just a poor decision to jump over him. Well, just... yeah, again, he's <laughs> yeah. supposed to be the most powerful fucking Jedi. Force push that motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, push him back like a half a yard so you can jump up onto the ground. <laughs> I so Anakin gets grab him, lift him up, and throw him into the fucking lava. <laughs> lift the lava his... up and throw it at him. Either yeah. way you want. Yeah, why not? How about you do this? How about you have him like you know gather up all of his force power, lift all that lava up out of the water. I'm sorry, out of the lava, and then uh, so it's you know he's going to use it as a weapon. But then something happens, and Obi Wan gets to him with uh, uh, emotionally, and it collapses on top of himself and, k- and kills him that way. <laughs> That's that's infinitely more cool than or makes more sense than anything else they did. Anakin's legs get chopped off, and uh, do they ever? They they do. He sort of slides <laughs> down. He's he a little bit too fire. close. That shit. I'll be honest with you though. As as stupid as it is, that scene is fucking brutal. Yeah, like him, not him not, actually not, burning was was not bad. 
Yeah, no, not, not only not only the fact that he gets his arms and legs cut off and then he catches on fire as he slides down. <laughs> Obi-Wan fucking leaves him there. Leaves them he there. goes down and he grabs his lightsaber. Yeah, and taunts <laughs> and he him. Just leaves him. He complains to him. <laughs> well, actually, I, I mean that the Ewan McGregor, I think he really he he's giving a great performance in his last lines of dialogue with Anakin. There's yeah. way too much dialogue. All the only line he needs is "You were the chosen one," and then he walks off, which I him walking off makes zero sense. I mean, he has to do it, but just give him a little nudge into the water. I mean, into the lava, put him out of his misery. <laughs> just, you have yeah, to he should have. Like that's the good guy thing to do too. If a man is burning to death, like right. got him with the lightsaber, end him. Yeah, you were meant to bring balance to the force, not leave it in darkness. That line is just way too wordy for a emotional. Uh, like departure of characters, it's it's just terrible. It just he needed to end with you oh. and chosen one and walk off. So I, I think I said this to Dave when we were watching it. How much more badass would it have been if Darth Vader is there, burning alive? Obi Wan says to him, and I, I think Dave Dave had brought up uh, uh, in the past episodes the, this idea that um, Anakin actually does bring balance to the Force by you know evening the playing field, basically. Yeah, two and two. How, how much more badass would it have been if he's laying there on the lava, burning alive? Obi Wan says, "You were supposed to bring balance to the Force," and he just looks him in the eyes and goes, "I did." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of uh, "I hate you," yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's consumed with hate. It's, it's so. It's I. I, it's I like think my it's... wife. <laughs> <laughs> It just becomes Raging Bull. That would be such a better movie. <laughs> oh, before before we wrap things up, Dave, could you could you please uh, blow everybody's mind with your with your theory that you came up with when we were watching it? Uh, okay, what I noticed was the first time you see Padme in this movie. Here's uh, I can't quote it, but here's to sum up the dialogue in in as many lines. Anakin is like, "I'm so glad to see you. I missed you so much." I thought I was going to be on the outer rim forever. I thought I'd never see you again. And Padme goes, Anakin, I'm pregnant. <laughs> Which means if you're following it, the Darth Vader is actually not the biological father of Luke and Leia. Because mm-hmm. he was on the outer rim for God knows how long, but he thought it was going to be forever. And then she's pregnant not even showing yet. <laughs> question it, but... That bitch got knocked up by somebody who was not Anakin. I Very guess he had a, he had the right to be suspicious of Obi Wan, I suppose, which would give Obi Wan watching over the kids a little bit more of a, uh, a like a flare, I guess, well, or something. I mean, I wish they had they play that card like just barely at the end, like we were joking about. But I mean, why not play it a little heavier? You know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, at least hint at it so Anakin has reason to be suspicious because he's suspicious of Obi Wan for absolutely zero reason. In this, yeah. you know, like if Obi Wan had been like, oh, like what's Obi Wan? I mean, that's not the. This is not the kind of movie for that, but it's just a, it's a way to go with it. I don't know. Yeah, and the, their relationship doesn't make any sense to me because he's suspicious of Obi Wan only when he needs to be suspicious of Obi Wan in the plot. Like their banter. Oh my god, there's so much fucking elevator banter in this movie. Yeah, it's like, there's, there's so much the, elevator. In yeah, the, we like forgot the to talk about movies on an elevator. We forgot to talk about the first like 40 minute elevator joke sequence. <laughs> well, when he jumps in, he goes, "Oh, it's you." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then they so they do this whole elevator sequence, and then they go off, and then they come back to the elevator because the first round of elevator jokes was so funny. <laughs> 
anyway, but like it's their banter is so homogenized and so like there's no you don't get any idea of these two characters or their relationship by the way they banter. It's I just like, you know, yeah, I, I don't get the I don't get the idea that they're supposed to be best friends in this. Yeah. I think that Obi-Wan always has a sort of detached mentor attitude towards him. Mm-hmm. And you never get the opinion that these guys have they basically spent, what, like 20 years of their life together at this yeah. point. More like less, yeah. you just you don't get that coming through what they're doing. And Obi-Wan just continuously comes across as a kind of disappointed mentor. That scene where Obi-Wan leaves and they say goodbye to each other. Obi-Wan like looks like he cannot wait to get away from Anakin. Yeah. It's like, well, see ya. It's that smell. They can't get that smell out of your, your Jedi robes. It's tough <laughs> in the future. Yeah, let's uh, let's wrap this one up. We talked about that. So we're done with the prequels. So. Let's just get uh, some sort of general thoughts. I, I guess I'll start. I'll just say, I don't think I ever really need to watch the the movies again. Um, nope. I, that's exactly what I said when we finished the third one. I was like, you know, doing these podcasts, it's a cathartic experience. It's good. And I feel really good right now because I'm never going to watch these movies again. Yep. And I, I think Force Awakens does a good enough job of whitewashing away the prequels. Oh, yeah. Like, I, uh, when I, I, I don't know if you watch the special features on the DVD, Wes. But I noticed that they they go out of their way, it seems, to to avoid mentioning these the prequel movies. Yes, for good measure. Yeah. For for, I just I have a real hard like I just don't think these movies are good. I I did the Rotten Tomatoes thing just because I'm I don't know if these are revisionist critic things. I can't understand Revenge of the Sith being eighty percent. If I were to go through sub eighty percent movies on Rotten Tomatoes and ask you which movie was better. It would take a very long time before we got to something where I'd be like, well, you know, Revenge of the Sith is better than um, Caddyshack 3 or something like yeah. that. <laughs> I wanted to talk about this more, um, but we're, we've run out of time. But we came, Clay and I, discussing the movie right after we watched it, kind of realized that the movie itself, there's a lot to talk about. There, uh, there's a lot of subtlety and there's a lot of subtext. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like Lucas did the subtext on purpose. It feels like sloppiness that he didn't clean up. Yeah. So who knows yeah. if it was there on purpose, but it certainly doesn't feel that way because the movie feels so dumb and there's so many people who just don't notice what's going on. I can't believe that he wanted the subtext in there. But if you're watching it and you're suspending your uh, disbelief enough that you can see the subtext as subtext, I could see liking it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think I think I think that's the trick in this third movie is there's so much stuff that you know, as we were talking about, Dave, it, you look at it and it feels like he actually went out of his way to to imply something instead of just having somebody say it. Yeah. But then the next scene, or arguably two seconds later, someone drops some dialogue on you that's just like, well, that dialogue is so bad and so on the nose. There's no way he's meant to do like, And thing, it, it directly I, contradicts an earlier scene. That happens yeah. numerous times where a character like Anakin will come in and say, yes. Yes, I need this power. And then he has a scene with Obi-Wan. He's like, you know what, Obi-Wan? You're a great guy. You really helped me out through a tough time in my life. And it's like, <laughs> what are you talking about, Anakin? Which, which way do you blow with the wind here? Yeah, right. the thi- one of the things that we were talking about was that scene at the, uh, at the opera where he's telling the story about Darth Plagueis. Um, he's, a, he's implying that he is the apprentice of Darth Plagueis, right? Yes, he is. Right. B, is, is the second thing he's, he's implying there that the emperor created is basic is basically Anakin's father. The the emperor manipulated the Metaclorians to create he Anakin calls Skywalker. Him son, <clears throat> does he? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He yeah, calls yeah. Him yeah. Son. Well, 
Again, like what? it's something there. It's like <laughs> if the 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 subtext there is really interesting, but right. at no at no point do they ever address it. Right. Yeah. 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 I just I think that these the prequels. I I mean we've been harping on it, but it just, I think it did. It did enough damage to the series for me. Like it, it's just it's just interesting that I don't really know. It's like I have very complicated feelings towards it. Like I the prequels are just not very good. And I think when we talk about Force Awakens, I think we'll have a lot to talk about how that was sort of a reboot of what's going on. But it also ties into the fact that I generally just think that the more you have of something, the less impactful it is. You know? Mm-hmm. It kind of makes sense. But it's it's like they've the story, if you just continuously have these epic kind of stories in this universe, it lowers the epicness of each story because right. they've been doing it over and over again. Right. Well, it's it's uh, you know it's something that I think really stands out um, in the superhero movies that are being made now, uh, where especially the Marvel movies, they're getting away from it a little bit now, and it only took them twelve movies to get away from it, but. It seemed like there was a formula in place for all of these movies where it was uh, good guys need to stop thinly defined bad guy from getting the, whatever the MacGuffin is uh, before he can use its incalculable power to take over the universe. And the third act involves the massive destruction of a city. Yep. And, you know, people talk about superhero fatigue and blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's not I, it, it's a result of that, I think, more than anything else. Because it's you just going and seeing the same thing over and over again. Um, I mean, how many times can you watch someone destroy New York in a computer before, with no consequences before it, it, you get bored of it? Right, yeah. And I, I, think, I think you're right. It's, it's a matter of uh, going bigger is not always the best option. And I think we're real. What's really going to be interesting is when we get into Force Awakens because they somehow managed to do both. <laughs> where right, yeah. they go bigger, way bigger than they probably should have, but they also go way smaller than I expected them to. And it's it, it's a, it's interestingly somehow I think it works. Uh, but I think you can look at either one of them and, and choose which one you you side on uh, as far as uh, whether or not it doesn't work because they went too big or it does work because it was really personal. So it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to talk about. Yeah. I, uh, we, we talked about episode three the entire time and we never for uh, over an hour now. And we never once mentioned that the movie ends with Vader walking like Frankenstein oh, Jesus. going, no, Padme, what happened to oh, God? I, I've never been hurt so much by something I thought I loved. Than when I heard James Earl Jones say the word Padme, <laughs> it was just like, oh. It should have ended the scene where his helmet board. goes on. is is a great is a nicely shot scene. Yeah, credits yep. right after that. Yep. Yeah, but, credits after that. And, but uh, and then it's cut with Natalie Portman dying in childbirth, and she, she Luke, Ugh. Leia, <laughs> come on, we know their names. Yeah. We know who they're you're, you're birthing. Stop it. With a with a sassy uh, midwife robot, <laughs> that is uh, absurd. Uh, yeah, that's. Oh uh, yeah, that reminds me. The other thing that I I, I thought uh, I'm not going to get into it because it's it, I don't want to take too much time. But I was like Owen Lars. I feel like Owen Lars should have been a bigger part of the story instead of just being like, "Hey guys, uh, yeah, we'll take the baby. Sure, no problem." Yes. Right. Like, I, like he, why couldn't he have been a larger character so him taking the baby makes sense in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, you know why? Why couldn't he have been on the uh, the the Bobby Kennedy to uh, Anakin's 
John Kennedy or something. Well, same with you don't see Senator. Uh, what's the guy? What's Jimmy Smith's the name of that or, guy? Yeah. Senator Organa. Oh yeah, Bail Organa. Yeah. I mean, he's 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 like you know me and my wife. We've been talking about a girl. We like girls. We fucking hate boys. So you can get rid of the boy, <laughs> but we'll uh, we'll take the girl. So, so just give him over. Yeah, we'll take one. Alderaan has a one-child policy, so. <laughs> Oh, Jimmy Smith, you, uh, your hatred of boy, oh boy. Uh, boy Jedi Force users <laughs> remains uh, supreme. Cool. Well, guys, thank you very much for uh, coming on to talk about Star Wars, the prequels. Thank we finished. You. We made it through. Yeah, I, I, I apologize if I, if I got too loud, but I, I f- was oddly passionate about how much I don't like this movie. They're not good. They're not good. It, they it, suck. It's, <laughs> and it's, I think my, my reaction to it is not that I it's, – it's less that I don't like it and more that it was so easy to do right. It, it would have been so easy. Yes. And they, they blew it. Yep. Yeah. Totally agree with that. Well, guys, we'll be back with Phantom Menace. Uh, actually, I'll ask you. What? Right, how many? Uh, uh, not Phantom Menace. We'll be back with. Uh, We're Force doing this War. again? We're doing it again. <laughs> hey, Clay, it gets better on a rewatch. Just That's so what you know. I've heard. Yeah. Do you guys know there's a podcast that uh, are watching the same movie once a week for a year? And they talk, they talk about it after each, uh, after each uh, week. That's, That's an interesting idea. concept. Yeah, it depends on the movie, I guess. But yeah. yeah they're watching Grown Ups 2, I think. Oh, Jesus. Ooh. <laughs> so <laughs> there's that. But check that out. How many of the Star Wars movies do you think are in the top 50 highest grossing films? Uh, all of them? Unadjusted. Uh, Is no, it including the re-releases that happened in like 96 or 97 or whatever? Uh, no, it, it is not. Uh, I would just say... Phantom Menace, definitely. Phantom Menace is it's number 22. I'm going to say three, including Force Awakens. Force Awakens is number right. three. Four. And episode three, which we just got done talking about, is number 50, rounding it up. Really? Away. No yep. kidding. Wow. I was going to say Return of the Jedi. No, I guess it's not looking. I'm going through this quickly. I did control find. It's just those three. Interesting. And here's the shocking, uh, the most shocking which we might need to do a podcast about because I'm shocked by this. Uh, the first three are Avatar, right? Makes sense. Titanic, makes sense. Force Awakens, makes sense. Can you, could you possibly, I could give you days, I think. Could you guess number four on this list? Is it Matrix Reloaded? No, it came out in 2015. Uh, 2015? Um... This movie sucked. I, I I watched it on demand and I was I was amazed that they it was so pathetic. It's a it's a movie that is established. It's an IP. Ooh, uh, Transformers three. Nope. Or four. Nope. Five. Nope. I have no idea. Chris Pratt, isn't it? Guardians of the Galaxy. Nope. Oh, Jurassic World. Jurassic World. Oh, oh that movie's garbage. It's number that's, four. That's that's a wow. That's another movie where uh, it's just dumb. In the way that I was talking about it, it's a very dumb movie. It's very dumbly written. All of the action is dumb. I don't know why people seem to love it, but it's it's not a good movie. I don't even know if yeah, I don't know if people loved it. I just I'm shocked by how many people went. I mean, this is adjusted for modern dollars, but I'm still surprised that it's beating Avengers. It's beating yeah. Harry Potter. Like that's- how is Avatar number one in the world? Like in the world where they just came out with a Star Wars movie that brings back the original cast. How is Avatar number one? Yeah, Avatar is two billion. Oh no, I'm sorry. Is that? Yeah, it is. It's two billion seven hundred million. The only thing I can think of is that was like peak IMAX 3D. 
and yes. so you get you get an extra bump from all that. What year right. do you think Avatar came out in? Uh, two thousand five. Two thousand nine. It's much later than I wow. thought it was. Yeah, it's surprising, yeah. isn't it? It feels like it's decades old at this point. Yeah. Anyway. Guys, we're going to wrap it up here. Thank you for uh, listening to the podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back with The Force Awakens right in 30 years. Yeah, in 30 years. We have to take our time. We have to really digest it and uh, get the Blu-ray and watch that. So, guys, thanks very much for coming on. We will see you later. Anytime.